and Choice family. It's so good to be here and worship with you today. It's my uh, blessing to fill in for our teaching time for Pastor as he's uh, with Paula on a vacation uh, visiting uh, John in California. I hope they are enjoying their time away and hope we are a blessing to you this morning as we worship together and open the word together. Luke chapter 10 today, the gospel of Luke chapter 10. This morning, I want to talk about how to move our mission forward in 2020. How do we do this as a church? Move our mission forward. We just sang the song a little bit ago, The Reason. And over the last six months, you may have asked yourself time and time again, what is the reason why you're doing what you're doing? When you're challenged with how you go about doing something, because things have changed, Customs have changed, policies and procedures have changed, whether it's at work or school, definitely in the church. Uh, It's still hard to believe we'd ever forecast a year where we didn't come in person, right, for several months, or that we watch church at home. And it can be discouraging, uh, especially for believers and for pastors. I know a lot of pastors are discouraged about the challenges that they face of how to shepherd and how to preach and how to do ministry during 2020. And if we're not careful, we can look at what has happened in 2020 as a negative for the church, as as a roadblock, as an obstacle that hindered or hinders the church. But I want to propose this morning that what God has permitted in 2020 really is an opportunity for the church to grow and to move forward and flourish. When we look at the history of the church, going all the way back to the early church here in the New Testament, the disciples, we see that whenever the disciples were persecuted or whenever they faced challenges, whenever the church met an obstacle, that God prevailed through the church and the church didn't just limp along, but the church thrived and grew dramatically. It's been said that the blood of the martyrs is the seeds of the church. In other words, when persecution gets turned up or when difficulties get turned up, the Lord gives the church wisdom and blessing and favor and the church continues to march forward. It was Jesus who said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. There's nothing that can stop the church. Think about that for a moment. There's nothing that can stop the church. Now, here's what we've been focused on as a church, as many churches. As we weren't able to gather in person, we tried to think, well, well, how do we gather as a church? When you look in the New Testament and you see the church, the church is actually defined and described as a called out assembly. I mean, everything the church knew up until 2020 was that we gather together. We are an assembly. But 2020 challenged that thinking and made us think outside the box. You know, we're thankful for our tech team, our audio-visual team, uh, who scrambled and on the fly came up with online church in a, literally in a matter of days. And they've been working and improving it uh, ever since. And it's been, a, it's been a blessing. And now we've been challenged to think that, that gathering together is not just something we do in person, but something that we do virtually. That there's a church that's present physically here this morning, and there's a church that is just as much present virtually this morning, uh, who's been faithfully worshiping with us, growing with us, involved in groups life, serving behind the scenes. And what we thought was no church taking place, we essentially moved the church 
into everyone's home. <laughs> the church multiplied during COVID. When you think about that, that's a, is that just a positive spin or is that the reality? Really, the church took place in homes across the country and still is taking place across the country. And so the church has been growing and multiplying, even though when we come in person, we may say, well, there's not as many people maybe as before. But I want you to know that from those viewing online and new people being connected to the church and hearing the gospel, that I believe the church as a whole is growing numerically. But here's, if we're not careful, what we'll focus in on as a church is our assembling together. We've talked about how can we get together? How can we connect in a time when we're told to stay home or to isolate? And so we've been connecting virtually and in some cases we've been connecting in person. It's been different and we're trying to follow safety measures and all those sort of things. But how can we assemble together? That's what we've been talking about. How can we, how can we get together? But you know throughout history that the church has providentially hindered the church from gathering together that they might disperse, that they might go abroad and share the gospel, that the Lord has allowed challenges to the church, that they might take the gospel to different places, to different neighbors, to different coworkers, to different geographic areas. And could it be that the Lord has providentially allowed? Now, I say, no, 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 this is, this is all bad. There's nothing good that could come out of 2020. But think for a moment, the Lord's still in control, right? Nothing has been a surprise to the Lord. It's a matter of how we will position ourselves to do ministry moving forward. And so as we focus a lot about gathering together, I want us this morning to actually do something a little bit different something that we can't do in heaven. We can worship in heaven and we'll worship the Lord for all of eternity perfectly. But one thing we won't be doing in heaven is, is going and sharing the gospel and doing the mission of the church. The mission of the church is unique to this time, to our life, to right now. And it's something we can't mortgage for the future. It's not something that we can push off and say, well, when COVID changes or maybe next year we'll get back on mission, right? We've got to figure out a way to do the mission of the church now. There's no exception clause in Luke chapter 10. And so maybe we have to think outside the box. Maybe uh, we need some new techniques. Maybe we need some new strategies and maybe all those things would be great. But what I'm gonna propose this morning that we need is we need the passion of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, looking at the first few verses, the Bible says, and after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals and greet no one along the road. Fathers, we pray this morning and hope to spend just a few minutes looking into this passage. Lord, may we see this morning a fresh glimpse of your passion for the world, your passion for the lost. Lord, we've been focused many times on our challenges and our struggles, and Lord, we don't want to minimize our difficulties of this year, and we don't want to minimize the challenges of our year, but Lord, we would be good to focus in afresh and anew on the mission that you've called us to. Not just the mission of the pastors or the apostles, but Lord, the mission of all disciples, the mission of all followers of the church to go and share Jesus. 
And so Father, I pray that you'd fill us with your passion, that we'd see your burden and heart for the lost to come to you this morning. Lord, may we not be content with just assembling together, but Lord, may we allow ourselves to be dispersed and to go with the gospel and carry it with us. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot of things that have stopped and changed over the last uh, few months. Um, how you do things, maybe how you work, how you go to school, even places of business. And as a church, we've tried to rethink some things, right? Things have looked a little different after we came back. Uh, I've learned that some places aren't operating like they used to or even operating at all. Some places are still closed. I've learned that when I go to a place, I need to start calling ahead or using my Google Maps uh, to find out, is this place open? You get to a place and you get to the sign in front of the door and it says, new COVID restrictions, new COVID uh, directions, uh, only one person in at a time, or maybe new hours. All these things have changed. And it's also true for the church, that things look different from the church. And we've had to prune back and decide we're gonna do this and we're not going to do this. And those are hard decisions, right? Maybe you've had to do that personally in your life. In our small group on Wednesday nights, and we have a group coming up, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, 21st, we'd love for you to join us uh, for an in-person group or online. It's being offered both ways, one of the groups here on Wednesday night that I'm leading. And we had a discussion, what have we learned so far through COVID? And most people I've talked to so far have learned that they needed to simplify their lives. That they need discernment to say, I'm not going to do this, or I'm going to do this differently. And they're pruning back and they're changing what they're doing. And the church is doing the same thing. The church has said, you know, we can't do this right now, or we won't do this right now. We're going to focus in on this. But as we're going through those things that the church is doing and the church is not doing, there's one thing that the church can't table. The church can't say, we're not gonna do this right now. We can't say there's an excuse right now. We can't share the gospel. We can't stay on mission uh, because of COVID or whatever. And that is the, the great commission, the mission of making disciples. And that is the mission, not only of choice, but of every church. And it's not just the mission of the church collectively, but it's the mission of every one of us individually. And I know some people would say, well, pastor, well, Maybe if we had a class on how to share our faith, we would get back to sharing our faith during COVID. Or maybe if we train people or set up some structure or some organizing some efforts that maybe we could train people and send them out to go share their faith. But we've learned during COVID that some people aren't as receptive as going and knocking on the doors we're about to see right here, right? But there's some other ways that we can share our faith. But I wanna propose it's, it's not merely a class or information that we need but it's a passion that we lack of why we aren't fulfilling the Lord's mission for the church. The mission that he has, not just for the church, but for us uh, personally. Uh, John MacArthur, a well-known pastor and writer said that the basis of all effective evangelism is compassion, not training. You might say, well, I don't know how to do that. I'm not a teacher or a preacher. I don't know how to share my faith. But I want you to know it's really a matter of just about passion. If someone with passion is lacking knowledge, they'll find a way to figure it out. Have you ever wanted to do something and you figured out a way to do it? Maybe it was YouTube, right? It's how we learn everything today. Maybe it was a book. Maybe you went and you found someone, but if you wanted to do something, you figured out a way to do it. That's when it comes to sharing our faith. It's a matter of the passion that we need to have. Someone with passion who's lacking knowledge will find a way to do it, but someone with knowledge but no passion 
We'll find excuses not to do it. There's things that you know how to do and I know how to do, but we don't do them because we're just not interested in it. Maybe we learned it, we understand it, but we don't want to do whatever that is. And so it's not a matter of merely having knowledge, but it's a matter of having passion. And this passion comes from Jesus, and, and Jesus is who we need. In, in verse number one of this passage, we see that Jesus sent out these 70 disciples And there's nothing extraordinary about these disciples except that they were just willing to do what Jesus wanted them to do. He appointed them and he sent them and he goes before them. Or he actually asked them to go before him. Look at the end of verse number one, where he himself was about to go. He said, go two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So we look at the mission of this this church and, and Jesus is taking these disciples and he says, I want you to go into the cities where I'm about to go and split up by twos and go tell them that Jesus, the Messiah is coming. Get them ready for Jesus to come. As they do that, they go out faithfully, nothing extraordinary, no special gifts or talents. They're just faithfully willing to do what Jesus wants them to do. We look at verse two though, And we see the key really of this, what I believe is the key to this passage in our message this morning of how we're gonna move forward. Certainly we need Jesus to appoint us and to direct us and send us out, but we need the passion of Jesus. Jesus said to them, the harvest truly is great. Now I want you to hold your place here and flip back for a moment to Matthew chapter nine. I want us to see the passion of Jesus. And if that phrase sounds familiar, the harvest is great and the laborers are few, it's because it is familiar. Jesus has mentioned this multiple times in the New Testament. We go back to Matthew chapter nine and verse 37 and we see it says that then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You see, Jesus has been telling his disciples this again and again, that there's a great harvest, but we're we're low on volunteers. We're low on laborers. And so what does Jesus do in the gospels? before his disciples. He portrays to them his passion for the lost. Look back just a few verses while we're here in Matthew chapter nine, verses 35 and 36. It says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now catch this in verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was what? Moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. You see, what we see from Jesus is his compassion for the lost, his passion for those that were broken, those that were sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus looks on the multitudes again and again and he's moved with passion. Look over the next chapter, a few chapters forward rather, Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. We see the gospel of Matthew traces again and again Jesus looking on the multitudes and being filled and moved emotionally and spiritually. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. Now notice Jesus is also doing something each time he is moved with compassion. Each time he's moved with passion, he has a response and he does something about it. Whether he heals the sick 
or he feeds the hungry, or he preaches the gospel to the lost. Jesus has this attitude of compassion. Look over the next chapter, the Matthew chapter 15 and verse 32, and we see it again. And now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Now, we've all seen those TVs that play, commercials that play on our heartstrings, whether it's the hungry kid or the sick person, and it moves us emotionally, and some are moved emotionally, and some maybe send in a financial contribution, maybe some step up and do more. But a lot of times when we're moved with compassion, we, we're failing the next step. And if we're to talk about the lost and what, why Jesus is moved with compassion, it may be that when we look at Jesus's compassion on the lost, and then we look in the mirror of our own heart, we say, I'm, I'm missing that passion. But I want you to know this passion can be contagious if we can get a glimpse this morning. And that's my prayer, that we can get a glimpse of the passion of Jesus. As a friend of mine who's a pastor, um, his name is Adam Colson. And probably about five, six, seven years ago, he approached me with this crazy idea that he wanted to start a free health clinic uh, for people that needed medical care and needed spiritual care where he'd counsel them with chaplains that were trained. And he had this big vision. And if I was to be honest with you, I had no passion for what he was trying to sell me on. He came to our church, he said, hey, I want you guys to partner with us. We wanna start this free clinic. And what I didn't know is that in Pastor Adam Colson's background, there was uh, some struggle in his family. His father was also a pastor, um, lived close to poverty level, if not probably poverty level. They couldn't afford health care, weren't provided to it through the ministries. And, and he had a, a sibling, a brother, who struggled physically and was impacted drastically in his life to, to where he thought, even at a younger age, that I want to do something about this. And so later in life, he has this burden and this passion and this vision to help people with their physical needs that he might also minister to them spiritually. And he was so moved with passion. You know what happened? That it, that it got contagious and it, it caught me a little bit. That when I saw his passion to help people and he explained to me the difficulty and the brokenness of, that people go through who can't afford just the most basic medical care, that I began to get a little passionate about what he was passionate about. And I want you this morning that, that we can become passionate, even if right now we sit and there's no flames, there's, there's no fire. I want you to know that if we get a glimpse at Jesus's passion this morning for the lost and how he was moved, the God of the universe, our creator and our savior, the one who spoke the world into existence, moved to tears and passion. When he looks on his people as sheep without a shepherd, when he looks on their brokenness and their sorrow, but Jesus doesn't just see their physical needs and he doesn't just see the medical needs and, and the need for food. And I'm thankful we have people that meet those needs. And I'm, I'm thankful, by the way, that story finishes, I guess it's still ongoing, that Adam, we were able to partner with Adam and begin a free Christian health clinic in our community uh, that ministers to people weekly coming in with physical needs and doctors and nurses donating their time coming in and caring for those people and just ordinary believers coming in who are, who are trained to share the gospel, right? And they just, they just share and pray with them and, and love them 
And this is a ministry that was birthed out of a passion of a man five, six years ago, that now in this organization, there's hundreds of people involved from volunteers, doctors, nurses, and they're opening up a dental clinic uh, prayerfully by the end of the year. Again, a free dental clinic, the same idea to help people meet their physical needs, that we might have the opportunity to meet their spiritual needs. And that's what Jesus is doing. You see, I don't believe Jesus is so moved with compassion simply over their physical needs. I don't believe he's so moved with compassion just because they're hungry and they're hurt physically. I think that's a part of it. But Jesus being omniscient and Jesus being all-knowing looks in the future and he knows the destiny of their souls. He knows that their souls are destitute without him. And he's moved with compassion because he sees their future and their future without Christ is hopeless. And he's moved with compassion. The psalmist said in Psalm 111, verse four, he has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. And that passion is there, I believe, because he sees the harvest. You go back to Luke chapter 10 for just a moment. In verse two, he says, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Well, what is this harvest that Jesus is speaking of? You see, the reality of this harvest is that it's speaking of future judgment that he sees awaiting these people without Christ, without salvation. The minor prophet tucked away in the Old Testament. The prophets, by the way, spoke of this harvest. Revelation speaks of this harvest. The Jews knew about the harvest that Jesus was speaking of, that there was gonna be a harvest of judgment that was gonna come and it was gonna come hard. And by the way, Jesus is the Lord of that harvest. He is the judge. And because he's the judge and he's God and he's omniscient and he sees in the future, he sees beyond just their temporary need of food and water and medical treatment. And he sees their souls that are without Jesus and without salvation and will spend eternity in darkness, separated from Christ in a place called hell. In Joel chapter three, the prophet spoke of this harvest and he said, let the nations wake up and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Right, Jesus said in the New Testament, wide is the gate to destruction. And he looks at this gate and he sees people marching to the eternal damnation, to their judgment. And he is moved with compassion because he wants some laborers to step up, right? Is that what he says in verse 2? The harvest truly is great, but what? The laborers are few. What are we to do about this mission? We can't pause this, right? We've got to figure out a way around the difficulties of our day to continue on mission. Because the people that are marching to the eternal destination keep on marching, they don't pause, right? They don't pause because of what's going on in our culture or in our world or the pandemic. They are still marching to the eternal damnation and Jesus sees them marching to their death. And he's moved with compassion as he looks at this harvest that truly is great. And this is a harvest of judgment. And he says, but the laborers are few, therefore you few that are laboring. He says, keep on laboring. And he says, pray, keep on praying. Pray for what? That the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest. You see, my prayer this morning is that if you've lost a little bit of that passion, that you'd see that passion of Jesus 
and that you'd be moved this morning to keep on laboring. Maybe, maybe you paused. Maybe you haven't been sharing your faith. Maybe you've stopped in your service to the Lord, and maybe you've paused it momentarily. And maybe it looks different if you re-engage, and that's fine. But my challenge and my prayer this morning is that you, that you re-engage on mission, that we're mindful it's not just about our assembling, but it's about our dispersing. It's not just about our coming, but it's about our going. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's time for us to get back on mission. It's time for us to go and share Jesus Christ. And he wants us to keep on laboring and keep on praying that God will add to his kingdom. He says in verse three, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. See, your mind is, listen, this is it's not easy, right? By the way, notice the word labor. It's, it's work, right? This, there's difficulty. Notice verse three, there's difficulty in this. Why aren't we carrying out the mission God has called us to do? Because it's not easy, right? It's not always enjoyable. Labor isn't always fun. But I want you to know there is rewards and joy in doing what God has called us to do. And there's joy that comes later on in this passage. We get down to verse 21 and 22 and later in this chapter, and we see that Jesus is filled with joy based on the fruit of what these folks have done. They've gone out and represented him and shared their testimony. Sometimes it's the fruit of our labor that we enjoy, not the labor itself. Uh, sometimes there's difficulty in what we're doing and there's dangers, he says in verse three. In verse four, he says, minimize distractions. And that's what we've been doing during COVID. You've been simplifying your life, right? You've been cutting aside distractions. It's time for us as believers to minimize our distractions to get on mission to what God has called us to do. We need co-laborers and we need to pray and go and ask God for compassion. Father, this morning, as we just spent a few minutes racing through this passage and maybe my pace was off and maybe I went too many places in the scripture this morning and, and maybe there's a lot to digest. But Father, I pray above all that we would just see your passion for the lost and that we would be struck with the reality that everyone is going somewhere forever for eternity. And Lord, you've left us here as your people to be a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we can't pause the mission. We must move forward with the gospel and Lord, I pray that we would labor even if it's difficult, even if there's trials and dangers and distractions. Lord, may we press forward with what you've called us to do in our service to you. And Lord, may we pray. The harvest is great. But Lord, we pray that you would raise up co-laborers. Lord, that we'd be resolved to do what you've called us to do and going forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as a church this morning, may we not be content with merely assembling again, as joyful as we are to assemble online and in person. Or may we not be content until we are going as well with the gospel. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you to stand to your feet with us for this time of invitation. Maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe you, if you're honest, you say, I'm lacking that passion. And maybe during this time you pray and ask God, God, give me the passion of Jesus for those around me. Maybe there's a particular person on your mind or heart that God is nudging you to share your faith with. Maybe you pray on that. 
Maybe there's a distraction. Maybe there's something to repent of. Maybe there's something to do business with God with during this time. I encourage you to do that.